We've been talking about the wiles of the devil in relation to the admonition from Paul, the apostle, in Ephesians chapter 6, where he said, We're to put on the full armor of God, we're to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty strength, and to put on the full armor of God so that when the day of um, trouble comes, we will be able to stand, and having done all things, to stand. You know, it says, uh, we should take a stand against the devil's schemes. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, the devil's schemes is what I've been talking about for quite a while. Because Paul said, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. He said, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. And we have been talking about the different areas of uh, different aspects of the wiles of the devil, the schemes of Satan, that many people do not necessarily see. Now, this admonition or from Paul is not to the world, but to the church, to the uh, believers. Because the world in itself is uh, lying in the full embrace of Satan. And so, uh, because they have rejected God, rejected Christ, you know, and as such, the world in itself is ensnared by the devil and lying in bed with him, you know, they're very happy with each other now, the thing is, they're not really happy, but uh, they are in this unholy and godless alliance, whereby, you know, Satan rules them, and they think they have independence of God, and they think it works. Of course, we all know it doesn't work, because, um, there is no peace and no joy. They all lust after these things. They all want peace and joy and contentment, but they can't have it because these things are not in the hands of Satan to give. The world is lacking in, in, in wisdom. They have a lot of intelligence and clever people, but um, they are lacking, totally lacking in wisdom. Why? Because wisdom is not from Satan. He does not have the wisdom of God. And it's only the wisdom of God that actually brings peace, the wisdom of God that brings true knowledge. You may get certain knowledge and certain things from classrooms and from books written by fellow men and all that and you know and and from research done by intelligent people and things like that. But then the actual wisdom of God it is only the wisdom of God that brings true knowledge. And that is why all the philosophers and all the scientists of the ages to uh, that are past and today cannot and we're not able to identify the problem with mankind. The problem with mankind, why the world is in the state it's in. The most foolish question I hear from unbelievers is uh, when they say to us preachers or Christians, uh, well, if you say God is as good as his, uh, as you people say, and is your God is all loving, why is the world in the state it's in? Why is there all this, you know, evil and uh, all the wickedness and all the depression and death and sickness and and poverty and all that? You see, only a fool will ask such a question. Because one who is endowed with wisdom of God understands exactly why the world is in the state it's in. Because it has been revealed to us by our Lord Jesus Christ, been revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. So as a believer, I'm not bothered, I'm absolutely unperturbed by the state of the world, and it's in a mess, isn't it? Nothing works the way it should. And none of the intelligence of man has been able to bring about uh, a reason, let alone an, a solution. 
Science has not been able to bring about a reason for man's depravity, let alone offer a solution. They just tell you all those things, and everything they say will depress you anyway, because they never ever have uh, 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 any solutions to it. They call themselves experts, they like to call them. But they tell you all those things that's wrong, and they never have a solution. But look at it. This is exactly where the Word of God differs. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, for instance, I'll take it from verse 26. Paul writes, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And there you have it. Because in this world, if we do not uh, attain a certain level of education, you are not accepted in certain places. You know, if you do not have a certain, uh, you're not a PhD older, you know, you don't have the title doctor, or you don't have a master's degree in something, you cannot lay your hands on certain positions or certain jobs, even in such social cycles. If you're not, if you don't have a certain level of money, own a certain kind of car, live in a certain sort of area, in a certain kind of house, you know, you cannot be a member of certain social clubs and networks and things like that. Amazing, isn't it? There's a class structure. We've got the, you know, we've got the lower class and the middle class and the and and, and the high class, and you've got the working class and all that baloney. Yet, uh, you know what? There's nothing new about that because such people existed in the time of our Lord Jesus Christ. During the time of his incarnation, yes, they had the poor, they had the rich, they had the affluent, they had the intellectuals, they had the intelligentsia. But you know what is amazing is that our Lord overlooked all of those people. He overlooked all of those people and chose his disciples of the lowest of society. Fishermen. Predominantly fishermen. And a tax collector. One who was hated and despised by all. Tax collectors were absolutely everyone's enemy. Nobody liked them. Nobody liked them. And that's why the the elites of the day were able to criticize the Lord, saying, "Look at him; he he sits and he he sits and dines with sinners and tax collectors." They said that with disdain. And yet, these are the people that God endowed with His wisdom. The people that He entrusted with His infallible word. Not the wavering thoughts of man and the wavering discoveries of science, whereby today they tell you, oh, eat lots of fish, is good for you, eat lots of it. If you eat fish, your heart gets stronger and this and that. And then, you know, 10 years down the line, you get another headline. Oh, researchers have uh, just shown that fish is bad for you. Too much fish can make you vulnerable to cancer of the breast or something, or cancer of something. It's amazing, isn't it? That is how science keeps tossing man back and forth, left, right, and center. But the word of God is infallible, it is certain, it is sure, it is written, it can neither be added to nor taken away from. 
and it is the word of life. Because those of us who live by the word of God have found it not only to be true, it is historically proven to be true, and spiritually proven to be true. And so the word is sure and made certain, delivered to us once for all through the apostles and the prophets. It was delivered through the specially selected men. That is why I will always insist there are no prophets and apostles in this age. Those men were appointed by the Lord at the time for a job for, to be done. They did it. They completed it. Their ministries were not inherited by others. The inheritance we have is the written word they have left to us. They, didn't, they, they, they had no successors to say. But then, today we have pastors and evangelists and teachers to continue to build on the foundation that was laid once and for all by the apostles and the prophets. No man can lay any new foundations. So, you see, God didn't choose the best people in the world, at least best by the standards of the world, but he chose the lowest. And this is why I cannot understand for the life of me why today Christians are scrambling for position and jostling for titles. That's because they're so worldly. They belong, they're belonging in the world, though they claim to, know, to belong to Christ. Now, no, you know, the Bible says, says look, God, will, God cannot be mocked. And a man will reap what he sows. And this brings me to the topic of discussion today, which is uh, talking, because I've been talking about the spirit, Satan's spiritual assault on believers. And I started to talk about depression. And the last time I spoke about this, we talked about depression in the world, why there is depression in the world, and why there will be depression in the world. Of course, there will be depression in a world that, that, that dissociates itself from its creator. They will be depressed. Because outside of God, outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, no man can find meaning to life or purpose for life. Cannot understand why you're here. That's why the world thinks they are here to attain this and to achieve that. And then they achieve it and they achieve it and it's never enough. I was speaking to a young man on telephone yesterday in Africa. I called him. He's someone who's uh, become something of a pen pal to me. He's a young man. can only be about 20, 20, uh, 22, 23. And... Um, so um, he um, read an article of mine in, posted in uh, a national newspaper sometime concerning uh, political leaders and spiritual leaders. And I was condemning them all, saying, you know, how they're all a b- corrupt bunch of, of, of rogues who are just misleading people and just taking advantage of people and abusing the people. Anyway, and he, he, he wrote to me about that article saying, it, you know, he didn't think, you know, that he was quite pleased to hear someone actually hit the nail on the head without any qualms, without any fear or favor. And this is how I developed talking to this person because he started to ask me questions about Christianity. Now, he believes he's a born-again Christian. He believes he's a Christian, very much so. And he's been going to church. Uh, several churches. He's uh, had all kinds of um, things told him, taught him. He's had hands laid on him. He's had oils poured on him and everything. And this boy, this young man, still feels very empty within. And yesterday I was talking to him and um, and he was asking me. He said, oh, I've got... Um, he's been quite depressed because today I'm talking about depression. Uh, personal depression, you know. Why must a, Why should a Christian be depressed? I can only say that a depressed Christian is one who has not known the Saviour. If you have known the Savior, 
if you know Christ, I'm not talking about knowing about Christ or knowing about God. The whole world knows about Christ. The whole world knows about God. But when you actually know, when you have an intimacy with Him, when you have intimate knowledge of God, you know, you have the mind of Christ, as the Bible says believers have. So you know what is going on around you. You know the will of God in, in, in every situation, every circumstance. You know that God has, God is working. You know that God is there. You live a godly life. Godly life being knowing, always being um, aware of the presence of God in every situation. Whether it's storms or happy and good times. Whether it's through trials or tribulations or through days of rejoicing. You know that God is always with you. And so it doesn't matter what you're going through. You're still fine. You know God is there. It doesn't matter whether you got food in your stomach or not or money in your hands. You know that God is with you. That is godliness. And that leads to holiness. Because when you're aware of God's presence always, and we have, every true believer has got God's presence always, because Jesus made it very clear. He said that if you abide in me, and uh, if anyone loves me, this is John fourteen twenty three. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. So when you love Christ and you obey his teaching, then you know that his presence and the presence of God, the son, the presence of God, the father is always with you in the power of God, the spirit. So you have nothing to worry about. So where then can the depression come from? Now this young man was asking me yesterday that um, he said, I've got an interview, uh, a job interview Monday, and I've done some kind of fasting, you know, and um, I'm I'm prayed about it. So I said, okay, what do you mean some kind of fasting? You don't sound like you have a lot of confidence in what you did. What do you mean some kind of fasting? He said, well, my mother told me that fasting is... um, I've never really done it. It's about the second time I'm going to do this fasting thing in my life. And... um, my mother said it's something I'm supposed not to eat from morning until about 5 or 6 p.m. But I actually had to eat at 12.30 because, you know, I just couldn't handle it. And the thing is, you know, um, you know, I've tried this fasting thing before. Every time I try it, you know, even even though sometimes I go without food for so many hours a day. But the time I decide to determine to fast is when I just see everything that I want to eat and I just feel like eating everything. So I said, you know what that means? One, you're spiritually weak. That is the whole essence of fasting, is the denial. The fact that you you feel like doing those things. Fasting is separating yourself for a time to be in the presence of God and leaving behind all the worldly depression. I don't personally encourage fasting for personal goals, like I've got this interview and I've got to get that job, so I'm going to fast to bribe God. I said, you do not pay God with a fast. It's not bribery to God. You may fast for 21 days over a particular job, and you may not get it. Why? Because God knows what is best for you. We have to learn, as a believer, you've got to learn to trust God. You may think this is the very best job. I know, there's nothing. Look at all the benefits. Look at the salary. Oh, wow, I'm going to be happy here. It's the best, and that's the the perfect launch I need for my career. And God may know that that is not it. He may understand. Well, he will know, because he knows all things. He He sees our days to the end of our days. And so, because you've prayed to him, because you belong to him, he will not let that job fall in your hands. 
because it is not the right place for you because he knows that you will get there and you will find that the grass wasn't actually greener on the other side it looked like that it was just an illusion from where you were standing and God knows that, you know, no, no, I've got better things prepared for you, so I don't want you in this particular position. But then what happens? The carnal mind, you see, the small-minded, unspiritual Christian, having done all that fasting and everything and did not getting that job, will then fall, sink into depression. Say God has let him down, he's disappointed in God. God has not delivered. <laughs> God never lets anyone down. Not if you're his own. He never does. But then, how much of, do you understand of God's ways? He says, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. As far as the heavens are from the earth, if anyone can measure that, the scientists haven't measured the, you know, the distance between heaven and earth, because they cannot find heaven. <laughs> no man can find God by his own intelligence or by his own measure. God reveals himself to those of us to whom he chooses to reveal himself. So, because of that, a person will sink into depression. Now, he's got this interview on Monday, and I hope, you know, if it's the right job, that is a prayer I offered him. I said, if it's the right place for you where the name of God will be glorified through you, the Lord will make, you know, he'll make it for, uh, for you to get the job. But then he said one thing that led into a series or discussion. I was on the phone with him for almost two hours because he said, I've made a deal with God, actually. I've made a deal with God. Now, he said, I've told him, if he gets me this job, and I get this job, then I will f start going to church, because I have not been going to church for a very long time now, for so many months, and I've, I've stopped going to church, I don't pray anymore, I don't read the Bible, but I've told God, if he can, if I should get this job, then I will go, I'll find, I'll go to church again, and I'll even be very active in serving God and all that, <laughs> and, and, and I chuckled, and I laughed, and I said, really, you've made a deal with God, have you? So, but do you realize that he said, "Oh, I want God to uh, do His own part first, and then I'll do mine." And after laughing for a second or so, for a few seconds, I said, "You know what, though? God has already done His bit for you. He's already done His part." He said, "What do you mean He's done His part?" He said, "I'm going to get the job." I said, "No, I'm not a C. I'm not one of those idiot prophets who are going to tell you, oh, yes, I can see you getting the job.' Then if you don't, they tell you, oh, your faith wasn't enough.' I said, "No, no, it's nothing like that. I'm not a seer." But I'm a servant of God. I'm a defender of God's word and God's truth and the gospel. And I am telling you that God already did his part for you. And I'll tell you how he did it. Over 2,000 years ago, God sent his son to come into the world, to take the sins of mankind upon himself, to pave the way for a reconciliation to God, because we were all, by nature, objects of wrath, were all destined for destruction in hell, were all destined for condemnation because we were all sinful. Because the singular purpose of man on earth is to glorify God. Anyone outside of Christ who has not who has not gone to Christ for forgiveness and as such given their very lives back to Christ who purchased his by his blood on the cross is still an object of wrath and remains under judgment and condemnation and will end up in hell. I said, but God did that when we did not know him. He sent his son, our sovereign Lord and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And he came. 
And he gave his life not because we requested it, not because we demanded it, not because we could take it. The people of that time thought they took his life, but they could not take his life. He gave it willingly. The breath of his nostrils, Jesus could have destroyed all his enemies at the time. But he chose not to. He chose to be mutilated by them. And he chose to be hanged on the cross by them. And he chose to die for us. I said, and now we have received life, those of us who know him. Those of us who understand and admit that indeed we are sinners, unworthy of salvation, but we have been blessed with salvation by grace. I said, and that is the greatest thing God can do for any human being. Is to separate you from the life of sin and death and tell you that now there is no condemnation for you ever because you are in Christ Jesus. Now it doesn't matter what you do, I will always forgive you. Now it doesn't matter what transpires in your life, whether you have money or not, whether you build houses or not, whether you attain fame, fame and, and popularity or anything. Nothing matters now, you know. Because all those things in the present world will perish with time. But you will abide with me for all eternity at a time when I will make all things new and restore the perfection of the world that I created in the first instance. And I will be your father. I will walk amongst you. You will be my son. For all eternity you will not be condemned. You will not die. I said, I don't know what else you want God to give you. I don't know. He's done his beat already. So as for this beat, this deal you are striking with God about this job interview, you may not get the job. You may get it, you may not get it. But God does not feel compelled to rise up to the occasion of your challenge. You have no right to challenge God. Whatever God gives you, you receive it with thanksgiving. And your Christianity must not be based on what your present circumstances in the world are. And he said, oh, I've never heard it said to me that way. I've never had Christianity presented that way. But then how do you know then that, you know, you, you, you are saved? How do you know that you will not be condemned by God? I said, because his word says so. And when you come to God, the first thing is you must be ready to accept that the entire of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is the inspired word of God written down for our guidance. And you must be ready not to compromise or doubt it. And when you like that, I said, you will find that you find answers to every question in that book. You will find solutions to all your problems in that book. Because God has spoken from the beginning. He has spoken about now and has spoken about the end of all things relating to man. And we know. So we have peace and we have joy. And we went into these discussions and he said, Ah, so I should serve God and worship God, not because of what I will get out of him, but because of what he has already done. I said, Perfect, you get my drift. That is the point. You do not strike a deal with God, because he does not need your worship. We need him more than anything. God can do anything without us. We cannot do anything without God. And he said, I, wish I, could, I, I really wish I could find a true church. I said, well, I keep searching. They do exist. A few and far between, but they do exist. Pray to God. Admit that you are a sinner. 
and cry out to Christ for that forgiveness. He will forgive you if you call to him. And then determine to live according to his word. And then you will find that he will make his own with you. And the Father will make his own with you. In the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will be led and guided right. You will offer the right kind of prayers. Not the kind of deal you are offering God. But you will be able to offer the right kind of prayers. Giving yourself to God as a living sacrifice. I said then you will find peace. And then you will know that it's not about getting a job. Because you know what? You want this job. You want this job. Do you know that after a while in that job you're going to be pining for something else? You'll never find satisfaction in the world. You'll never find contentment unless you know Christ and you understand that when the Bible tells us it is a command that godliness with contentment is great gain. It's not a suggestion. It's not an idea. It really is a command for those of us who know the Lord. And it will see beyond your material needs because if spiritual needs will be fulfilled and satisfied and then you find that material needs are nothing. I thank God because he actually put the phone down, you know, with a new whole new perspective. I said, only now can you become a Christian after you've gone to Christ. You thought you, you were never a Christian, although you claimed you were born again. But you didn't even know the basics of it. Now, I don't blame this young man. I blame those who have been teaching him and who have been preaching to him. The world is plagued with liars who claim to be sent by God. They cannot even nourish the people's souls. They cannot satisfy the people's thirst with the word of life. The word of God is our spiritual food. And people are still hungry and thirsty out there. Because they're being fed a whole lot of, a whole lot of baloney. This young man had been going to church for a long time. And then he stopped because he found that what he was, you know, the teachings he was receiving were not being delivered. He had been going to church. He said he was raised a Christian and everything. His parents are Christians. Yet he said to me he has never had Christianity exposed to him the way I did. He's never ever heard my perspective of Christianity before in his life. He said, I don't know that we've got any preachers here in Nigeria who can, who, you know, who can speak this. I said, they do exist. There are a few who do, who are sent from God and who do teach the truth of God. You may have to look, I said, you may have to change churches a few times to get to the right place. But continue to pray to the Holy Spirit to lead you. And he will guide you into the right place at the right time. And this is such a tragedy. Because this person is not its not an exclusive problem. It is all over the place. That's why we have a lot of depressed Christians. And depression comes from Satan. Depression is the purpose of depression. Is to rob you of the joy of the Lord. Which is meant to... The joy of the Lord is meant to strengthen the believer. And look. What did Jesus say about this? In John chapter 15 verse 9. From verses 9 to 11. Our Lord Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. So where do we get depressed Christians from? Because we have the promises from the, from God. He said, he has given us the joy. His joy will be in us if we obey his commands. That's where the problem is. The inability to follow, obey the Lord's commands, the inability to believe the word of God, the inability to embrace the word of God when a preacher is telling you to reject all things that are not pos- positive, who reject sickness, who reject poverty, reject this, reject that. And those things are a reality of life. Look, if all the people we had in the Bible that went through a lot of tribulation, a lot of trials, even 
David. David just didn't become king. He went through a lot of hell before he, before he got on the throne, even though God had anointed him king through Samuel the prophet. He still had to run from his enemies and all that. But God glorified his power and himself and his name. And God affirmed his word that I have pronounced you king and king you will be. And King David remained until his seed, Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus came, his, his, uh, his um, incarnation, the incarnation of God. The line, he came through the lineage of David. And he's forever seated on the throne. The word of God came to pass and will. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, if they all went gone, I reject it. Every time they saw, they saw the evil coming, they would never have been used to the glory of God. All the apostles went through poverty, through beatings, through, through a lot of rejection, through stonings, through hunger, nakedness, imprisonments and things. If they'd all gone, I reject it. They would never have been used to the glory of God. Do we think Jesus Christ our Lord was clowning about when he said, I have told you these things in John sixteen thirty three. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. When he told us, told the disciples about all the grief they were going to go through, all the sadness, all the rejection, all the hardships they were going to go through. Yet he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. You will have trouble. You will have tribulation, Jesus said. But take heart. I have overcome the world. But you are defeated because you refuse to embrace that word. You would rather accept the word of man, you know, and who tells you that you have no business being depressed. You're a child of God. Reject it. Reject it. These liars on pulpits who tell you all this nonsense and all this baloney, who are not called by God but are self-appointed and feed you with lies, can they deliver? No, they cannot deliver. All they do is rob you in the process because everything they offer you, there has to be some payment you have to put forth. You have to put forth some payment to receive all the things they are promising. They tell you so in seeds. Since when have we paid God for anything? He doesn't need a penny from you or from me to do anything in our lives. Everything God gives to us, he gives to us for free. Because he, in his hands, in his hands, abounds all that we need for this life and eternity. So depression does not belong with a child of God. Because there's nothing to depress us from the living word of God, which is the Holy Bible. Rather, in it we find peace and joy. So if you're depressed... How much of the word of God have you embraced? And how much do you believe the word of God?